The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like our show, I encourage you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. And if you want your own show, now's a great time to start a podcast. It's the summer. Eh, things are a little sleepy, a little slow down. Maybe you got a little extra time on your hands. Podcasting is a great way to contact to connect with your whole network, and we do this at pod617.com. It's the Boston Podcast Network. You can do it remotely or in our Westwood Mass studio, so check it out. But enough of that. I got a great guest. Speaking of podcast stars, we proudly host her podcast on Pod 617, and her name is Charlotte Stevens. We're going to hear all about what she does today. Let's give her a round of applause. How are you this morning, Charlotte? It's a bright, sunny day, finally. We're seeing more of summer, so I'm excited about that. It is. The summer has been cruel so far, in my opinion. It seems like the sunny days are all like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Or or the sun comes out at like 6 p.m., which is like, thanks a lot, right? <laughs> it's been a challenge to find the sun this summer. That's right. That's right. So... I should let everyone know that Charla is an employment consultant. You can find out all about her at charlastevensconsulting.com. And she helps businesses with workplace training, investigation, strategic human resources, consulting, and stuff like that. So tell us why you do what you do. Let's start there. Yeah, sure. So by way of background, I practiced law in New Hampshire and Massachusetts for close to 40 years. And I did mostly employment law, litigation, consultation, training, all of that, certainly to try to help businesses stay out of legal trouble. But also when they did get into trouble, I would help them litigate or negotiate out of messes. And I also did a lot of work with uh, independent private boarding schools, colleges and universities. And the theme there is that I did a lot of crisis management and helping people when things got sticky. And it, it was challenging. And I got to the point where I felt like I was really burnt out from what I was doing, 24-7 availability problems all the time. So I retired from the law firm that I worked for for 21 years. That was my most recent employment. And I started this consulting business. And what I do is all the things that I love doing as a lawyer, but not as a lawyer, as a consultant, which allows me a little bit of flexibility in terms of the type of advice I might give and also gives me lots of flexibility in my schedule. And I don't really spend any time being adversarial. So it's a lot more fun. Are, are your services needed more than ever these days? Because it seems like there are a lot more ways for companies to get in trouble. And it seems like in the past, you might not have been sued for, oh, I don't know, like, inappropriate comments made by management or something that someone has said publicly and got them in trouble and maybe sort of canceled, so to speak? 
Tell us about the climate. Yeah. Tell us about the climate now in employment law. Yeah, I think the, the climate is certainly challenging. It's very challenging for employers for a lot of reasons, both the, the things that you mentioned in terms of people being litigious, people very often pointing the finger at others when things go wrong. Why would they have possibly fired me? I'm so fantastic. So it must be for a discriminatory reason or because I have political views that are different from my employer or I'm older, I'm a woman, whatever it might be. And obviously there is still a lot of discrimination and harassment going on in the workplace. We know that that's, that's true, but I think employers really need to be more proactive these days around having appropriate policies, lots of training and really better communication with their with their people. And that's something that tends to fall by the wayside, especially when people are incredibly busy and stressed. So things like training and meetings and, and having collaboration and communication with, with workers tends to go by the wayside. It's really important not to lose focus of how you can strengthen that workplace community and those relationships so people don't necessarily jump to the wrong conclusions. Good feedback is also incredibly important because if people haven't been told what they're doing wrong, you know, why they're not meeting expectations, why they may not be a good employee for a particular company and then get fired. Again, our brains tell, tend to fill in the blanks with the worst case scenario, which is someone is discriminating against me. So that's, that's I think, critically important. Also, these days, we've got real problems retaining workers because people are very, very mobile now. People leave their workplaces for a little bit more money, for a little bit more flexibility. So it's really important to engage your workforce and make people want to stay because if there's no good reason for them to stay, they will be, they will be gone. It's not the same stigma as it used to be to work for multiple employers or only stay at a job for a couple of years. And, and people clearly will do that because they're not happy. And that's very, very costly to businesses. That must keep you busy also. That, you just ticked off a bunch of reasons I could see people would need your, your services. Well, can you give us an idea of some of the misconceptions that employers have? They come to you and and they were under the, yeah. the assumption that there's, it's one way and it, and it really isn't. Well, well, one big one that I have found, and it can be in small situations and can, and can be in bigger situations where companies will assume that if they don't hear anything, then everything's fine. Nobody's complained about X, Y, and Z. And the reality is that the number of people who actually complain about things at work, it's an increase because it's not the same fuck it up mentality that maybe we had when we were younger or our parents had, but people will complain more, but reporting serious misconduct, it, it's, it's, the percentages are very low of the people who will report sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, um, bullying behavior, because they're, they're worried that if they come forward, they'll be blamed, they're ashamed, they're worried about getting fired, retaliated against. So don't assume because you haven't heard anything Whereas nobody's formally complained that everything's great and, and everybody's happy. You really have to ask, ask the question of, of your employees. And often people just, just won't do that. It takes time. It can be expensive if you engage somebody from outside to come in and do surveys or have those conversations with your staff. And people often don't want to hear about problems because they don't 
the hot fix them. And, and that just really can lead to, to all kinds of problems. I think one of the misconceptions among employees is that you can sue if you're treated unfairly. Now, you're the, you're the practicing lawyer for so many years. I was a practicing lawyer for one year. So could you fill me in? But I think a lot of, a lot of, if you're an employee and it's something like they, they say, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. We're just not satisfied with your performance. And you say to yourself, I just had my most productive month, whatever the industry may be. I'm speaking hypothetically, right? I just said, my, you know, it's, it's not fair for you to fire me. And so they may come to you and say, what they're saying is, is, is cast in completely the wrong light. I'm a great employee. I got to be able to sue them for being unfair, right? Yeah, that 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 is a serious misconception. And when when I was practicing law, even though I worked mostly for employers, I I would often get calls from individuals or people who had relatives who had gotten fired or laid off, and their first instinct was to consult a lawyer. There had to be something that they could do about it, and. You know, what I've always told people when they come to me with those kinds of questions is, for the most part, if you don't have an employment contract, you're not a union member, it's at-will employment, which means you can leave any time and they can fire you at any time. And there are some misconceptions about that, too, what that means. what I, How I describe it is you can fire somebody for a good reason, a bad reason, or no reason at all. You just can't fire somebody for an illegal reason. Right. You know, so reasons, creating a hostile work environment on the basis of membership in a protected class, not just being a jerk because being a jerk is not illegal and being unfair is, is not illegal. Someone's a whistleblower. I mean, there are, there are some solid, good, protective employment laws, but they really cover people who've been discriminated against, retaliated against, or, or harassed in some way based on gender, disability, sexual orientation, some protected class. So in general, most employees don't have a good case or a good argument for some type of compensation when they get terminated. Like I said, some do, and we want to make sure that that behavior is not continuing in workplaces. But sometimes employers don't do a great job in providing that feedback or letting people know in advance why they're not measuring up. And that would be a very good sort of way to measure of self-protection um, for employers to, to, to be better at documenting and giving feedback. But, but yeah, I mean, you're right. There is no automatic, I was treated unfairly or the punishment didn't fit the crime and therefore I have a cause of action for, for damages. That's typically not the case. When at my, my old job at Lawyers Weekly, we did a contest. It was when the biggest loser that show used to be on TV. I don't know if it still is, but you, the idea was it, was it was a reality show to lose weight. And inspired by that, we said, if anyone would like to participate in this, there are some people who want to lose weight and we're going to keep track of this and the winner will get some kind of prize at the end. It's completely voluntary. And somebody stood up and said, I don't think it's right that you're judging uh, the employees on their body type and their weight and all that. And I, and, and I said, and my, my like uh, head administrator, my office manager, he came to my defense right away and he said, ah, that's not what we're doing. This is completely voluntary. You don't have to do it. It's just a side thing for fun. But I got back to my desk. I called HR. I thought I needed to tell them. I, I think I said, I think I've just been accused of discrimination and body shaming or something. And 
right away she said, the law does not protect people for being out of shape or overweight or anything. So, which was, right. which, which is actually, I mean, kind of, uh, we, we may find that cruel on the surface. None of us want to be someone who fires someone simply because they're overweight. And yet, in theory, you can, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true, unless there are medical reasons and they're, right. you know, disabled or that kind of thing. But, but yeah, I mean, technically you can, unless there's some type of either religious or disability right. component going on there. I, I don't want somebody to have facial hair. And so I'm going to fire anybody who has facial hair. And obviously if there's a religious basis for having a beard or whatever, it's something that's required, then that's protected. But for others, it's not. Same thing with tattoos and other other things that impact your appearance. Employers, even though they may be judged for doing that, are not legally prevented from doing it. it may not be a smart thing. Right. Oh, of course not. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. You're not going to attract the best and the brightest by saying anybody with a tattoo is out. Right. Not these days. Um, the other thing I think people sometimes forget is that that the things change in terms of what what is acceptable appearance or you know that you, you kind of have to go with the times and we've got a lot of younger workers joining the workforce and i think right now they're saying we have five generations in the workforce because a lot of the mm-hmm. older workers haven't left and we've got generations that i'm not even aware of yet because i don't have a child that young or coming into the workplace and there were there are different expectations, um, different work styles, and it takes some effort to to get people to really sort of understand each other and and work together. Mm. And and that's something employers says that's like babysitting. I don't I don't want to be bothered with all of that. Everybody just has to get along. And frankly, it's not all that simple. Mm. So I don't have to hide my tattoos anymore, Charlotte. That's good news. I. I... It's funny though, yeah. I do have a couple tattoos, and I got them for whatever reason when I was, I think, in my late thirties, early forties. But I was careful to get them in places that you would hide in the business world. And you know what? The more I think about it, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's tattoos are just mainstream now, and so although you could, you yes, you can get fired for having a a tattoo, but don't do that, people. Come on. Figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Let let let's let's not be be jerks about things. Obviously, if something if somebody has something offensive that they are visibly showing sure. or discriminatory, you want to you want to deal with that. People want to be in compliance with the anti harassment, anti discrimination policies and all of that. But for the most part, if you I remember when in my law firm the first time we hired somebody with a tattoo around her ankle, I was like, Oh, okay. okay. Right. Isn't Cool. While other people, I'm sure, were like getting the vapors. Right. All right. Yeah. And I got it. I got a tattoo when I was in my fifties. And- Good on you, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm due for another one. I've got a few, but once you get them, you you just want to get more. So that reminds me, in some fashion, that today is also in our country a day where uh, this is Captain Obvious here, but divis- divisiveness over political issues is perhaps at an all time high. And I'm sure, have you come across any examples of this, whether just, whether your, your cases or not, clients or not, that someone expresses a political view in some fashion is fired? Does that person have protection? Because I know we have the First Amendment, but the First Amendment, it doesn't, 
necessarily apply to employment discrimination? Yeah, that that's that's actually a great question. And that that one's fairly complicated because it's true that the First Amendment doesn't apply to a private employer. I mean, the First Amendment is is around government action. Right. So an employer can tell people what to to say and what not to say while at work. What I what I have seen, which I thought was very interesting some scenarios where a client or a customer would complain about either the policies of a company or things that um, an employee of theirs was saying or posting on social media. And sometimes the employer would be in a difficult position in having to choose between client and an employee, but a client saying, I want to take my business elsewhere. If your, your employee is posting pictures of guns on when they're social media and you know i'm against guns and, and i'm offended by that or mm. your your employee is posting anti-trump commentary on their social media and and that bothers me and you know that could go either way and employers have to strike a balance right. I mean, you can have policies around telling employees that they should be mindful of what they put on social media because they will be judged by that. And when I do trainings in school, especially in schools, especially for students, I mean, we're saying that all the time in terms of, you know, what you do now and what you post now on social media is going to follow you for the rest of your life. Right. Like, you know, what, what I might have done that was memorialized by Kodak Instamatic camera. <laughs> it's very different now with social media and cell phones and, you know, cameras and videos, TikTok. So what you say and do doesn't go away. So, you know, that's critically important. And employers can also require that employees not identify themselves as an employee of a company. Like, don't be wearing the, the company polo shirt with the company logo when you're on social media making a speech about some divisive topic. Right. But you can't stop people from having opinions. You can try and keep it out of the workplace, which is appropriate. and also. You know, that's a tough one. I mean, you bring yourself to the workplace and all of you, good, bad, or indifferent. And sometimes people get into it at work. Mm. Um, I can remember working, one of my first jobs I had as a lawyer where somebody used to leave with anti-abortion literature in the kitchen. Oh, boy. And, and, you know, I remember opening it up and going, whoa, what's that? You know, pictures of aborted fetuses and things like that. They were very subtly trying to project their opinions. And those are things that, that you can very much ask people not to do. Mm. You just have to be careful about treading, treading the line in terms of not discriminating against people for religious reasons. But mm. There isn't any reason that anybody has to proselytize at work. You can keep that out of the workplace. So when you go online and make a, a video of yourself proclaiming that you can't stand the TV show Ted Lasso, don't wear your company logo because they will fire you over that. Because some people believe not liking Ted Lasso is a federal offense. I do like the show. It's a little, a little overrated. Anyway, it's also an interesting time for companies companies making, and this, this may be slightly off topic, Charlotte, but I'm still interested in your thoughts on it. Companies coming out in favor of things that are considered political issues. So the, the recent obvious example was you know, Disney in recent months came out against Florida's, I'm going to, I believe, perceived as an anti-trans bill, right? 
Yeah. Um, it, it might have been started with the don't play gay, the law that's, that's been referred to as the don't say gay. And yeah, you're yeah. you're right yeah. that that you're correct. The, the don't say gay. Correct. Don't don't teach homosexuality to the kids or however that. Goes. Right. So, yeah. So strike what I said about the trans. I think you're right. That's it. So and as a fan of I like Disney, I like taking my kid to Disney World. It's one of his favorite places. And as it happens, when they did that, I kind of said, good on you, Disney. Good for taking a stand. Well, of course, their good deed did not go unpunished. And the the governor of Florida threatening all kinds of terrible things. again. But I just it, it did make me think, like, if I work for a big company, I, I would like them to come out in favor of things like publicly in favor of things like you know, diversity and inclusion and things like that. But then I kind of think, well, if it's going to just keep getting them in trouble, should they stay silent on those things? And again, this may be kind of far afield from your actual work, Charlotte, but what do you think about that? It actually isn't that far afield okay. um, because I do some some diversity, equity, and inclusion training. And those are some of the things that we talk about in those trainings as far as what's appropriate for a company to do. And and, and then you referred to the cancel culture. I mean, that goes both ways, right? I mean, there are people that will support businesses because of a certain stand, and there are others who will say, I'm taking my business elsewhere. And unlike what used to happen, which is that people would just take their business elsewhere, mm. now they're, they're, they're proclaiming it far and wide. They get Kit, Kit Rock shooting with light cans. And yeah. It, mm. People are very sort of dramatic about, about those beliefs and being against beliefs. And, and companies have to balance that with the fact that the younger generations that are in the workforce now, they want their employee, employers to be standing up about social justice issues. Mm. I mean, I think we first saw, saw it right around the time of George Floyd's murder, where companies started coming out with statements in support of, of George Floyd and his family and others who were you know, killed during yeah. that time frame. And, and that was really the first time you saw sort of mainstream commentary on those social issues, at least in a long time. And there was a little bit of backlash, but most people, I think, were were fine with that. And then it's it's continued. And you know, what I what I always tell people is know your audience. Mm. If, if it is dangerous for you to come out uh, in favor of or against a certain topic or issue, maybe you stay silent on it, but understand that depending upon what your workforce feels about it, there there may be some some rumblings there and, and you're going to have to explain that away. But if it's something that you feel really strongly about and you, you are willing, there are some companies that are willing to take that risk and say, Hey, if you are anti this or for this, I'm okay with you taking your business elsewhere. Right. Well, it's a balancing test yeah. for the employer to make. For sure. For sure. It's, it is a, it's an interesting time. Environment. It's a really tough environment. Interesting times we live in. I don't know if yes. they're better than the old good old days. In some ways they are. <laughs> in a moment, Charles and I are going to each recommend something in the segment we called Good Stuff. Before we get there, let me remind you that if you want to learn more about Charlotte, it's charlottestevensconsulting.com. And of course, we need to mention the podcast, Workplace Community Connections with Charlotte Stevens. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your pods or on pod617.com. We're a couple episodes in. Are you enjoying it so far? 
I, I love doing it. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm loving the conversations. That's one of the things that's great about sort of being on my own, being able to into I did podcast when I was at the law firm, but now I can just chat with people about issues that are of interest to me. And you've been doing a wonderful job and you've been a great help to me on, on, on getting them out there. Ah, shucks. Ah, shucks. Yeah, the, the, la- the last episode was, they've both been great, but the, the last episode with Diane Darling, we talked about chat GPT and man, you, I could talk for hours about that thing. It's at, fir- at first when it, when it happened, it was kind of like, oh, big deal. It's one of these robots. Like when you go on to Comcast's website or any company's website, a robot pops up and gives you dumb answers. Now, ChatGPT is here to stay. And, and my interview this morning, you've been talking to a robot the entire time, Charlie. I hope you knew that. I just see a funny uh, meme someone posted that one person asks the other, or the per- person's asking something of Alexa. And it's like, now my Alexa's going to go off. But it's like, uh, Alexa, could, Alexa, could you please let me know what the weather is tomorrow? And the other person says, why are you saying please to Alexa? And the person says, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> right. I say thank you to Alexa every time she gives me information. It's just polite. Yeah. The robots might win, people. So just beware. Beware. So like I said, we're going to play good stuff in one moment just for a sec. I'll remind you what we do at the Boston Podcast Network. It's pod617.com. If you want to be the next big podcast star like Charla, go to that website. It'll tell you how to get in touch with us and how to set up a meeting so we can start planning your show with your vision. It's a great way to connect with clients, prospects, and the like. It's easy to do. You show up and talk. We do the rest. Pod617.com. It's the Boston Podcast Network in Pod We Trust. All right, let's play a round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Now, Charlotte hasn't had a whole lot of time to prepare for this, so we'll, we'll cut her some slack. But do you have something to recommend to our audience, Charlotte? You, I had a few things in mind, but you talking about that last podcast, yep. Jet Chat GPT, really got me thinking. Okay. Um, I dipped my toes in the water of Chat GPT shortly before I interviewed Diane Darling. Hmm. And I did a couple of things that were work-related in that I said, draft, draft me an independent contractor agreement. And it, it and I have drafted hundreds. So I went, oh, let's see what it looks like. And it wasn't bad. And then I said, plan a road trip for me, seven day road trip through Canada. And in seconds, I had an itinerary. It's amazing, right? It yeah. was fascinating. Yeah. And then I went and looked, but it just, it's amazing what it can do. And then the more information you feed it, the better the product that comes out. But I said it very little and I got something that I could use for this little trip through Canada. So give it a shot is is what I would suggest. Don't be afraid. Great tip. I hadn't thought of that. See, it does have a million and one uses. You can't really trust it 100% on everything. So like to paraphrase Ronald Reagan, it's like use but verify. Verify because it will get stuff wrong. However, The possibilities are amazing. I was at a friend's house and a couple of the guys who were there happened to be musicians and they had their guitars and they were like kind of fiddling around. So they went to ChatGPT and said, write a song. And this guy said, the title of the song is Hope is the Loneliest Emotion. I don't know where he got that, but so he, we said, ChatGPT, please write a song with that title. And it, of course, within seconds, it writes the song. Here's the first verse, the second verse, the chorus. 
And then he, then he said, I wonder if it could do the guitar chords. And he said, can you include the guitar chords? And within seconds, it was right there. Uh, here's where you play the G chord, the D chord, the E minor chord. Oh, it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> Just got to make sure it's not somebody else's intellectual property out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, for, right, for that, a lot of those questions still loom. Go listen to Charlotte's conversation with Diane Darling because you'll, you'll get the whole thing. I'll quickly recommend a TV show on Apple TV that I'm in the middle of. It's it's still ongoing. It's called Hijack. It stars Idris Elba. And, well, it's called Hijack, so you could probably, probably know what it's about. But I'll play a little bit of the trailer so you get a taste for it. Good any remaining passengers for flight KH-89. Please make their way to gate B-15. Good morning, everyone. This is Captain Robin Allen speaking. Flight time today, six hours, 54 minutes. Stay in your seats! Get down! No! Get down! Operation has commenced. Phones, tablets. The plane is under control. You need to see this. The plane did, of course. Someone is calling for help. Got family? Loved ones? We got one job to do right now, just get through for them. I got a message from the plane. Dad says, incident on board. What exactly does your dad do for a living? It's difficult to explain. Sam's the best at handling it. Handling what? The negotiation. All right, so we'll... You can tell it's... We'll be watching that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm most already. Mo yeah. Most movies and TV shows about a hijacking turn out to be pretty good. And so, and Idris Elba is the is the quintessential leading man. He's so, like, measured and he's so cool and everything. And so, as you as you gathered from the trailer, he's, he's on board this. And he has skills in something. Well, they said negotiation. But so can he thwart the hijackers? And there's a lot more to it, but I won't get into it. But it's, so far, it's it's great. And I can't wait to see whether they get off that plane or not. Yeah, we'll see. So yes, please, uh, Charlotte, please do watch that on Apple TV and report back to me. So we're up against the clock. But Charlotte, you were an amazing guest. Unsurprisingly, I hope you had fun. I did. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, thanks to all you for listening to the Boston Podcast. Again, if you like the show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your pods, and go to pod617.com. If you want your own show, on behalf of Charlotte Stevens, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Everybody.